This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. This week, we're talking about some new digs and new recipes for an old brand with Lee Lord. She's the head brewer at Narragansett's new brewery in Providence, Rhode Island. We're going to be talking styles, working at companies with a big history, historical reenactments, and Gruets. But we're also going to be talking about the future. But first, an invitation to check out BeerEdge.com, to sign up for the newsletter, to read articles, to find podcasts, episodes, and more, and to check out our merch section for the This Week in Rauk Beer, Camp Rauk Beer, and Defend Pilsner Glassware and Shirts line. We're also on social media, at The Beer Edge, and be sure to join the This Week in Rauk Beer page on Facebook. Also, NC Hops is a proud sponsor of Drink Beer, Think Beer. Harvest has officially ended in New Zealand, and there are exciting hops to choose from, including Nelson Savin, Matuika, Ruwaka, and the newest hop on the lineup, Nectaron. The white wine, stone fruit, and tropical fruit notes, layered with pine, citrus, and herbal notes, offer a range of flavors unlike any other growing region in the world. Learn more about what they can do for your beers by visiting nzhops.co.nz or finding NZ Hops on social media. Narragansett is a brewery, or a brand, that's been around since the late 1800s. It was a revered New England lager brand that, after Prohibition, went into the wane and eventually closed down. It was revived about 15 years ago, and has seen such tremendous growth that it is now in the top 30 of craft breweries in the United States. The growth was largely built on the backs of contract production brewing for lager, coffee stout, some shandies in the summer, and a few recipes here and there. Over the last few weeks, the brand has opened up its first permanent location since Prohibition that will serve as a Gansett gathering place and a brewery to showcase innovation. At the helm of the brewery is Lee Lord. She's been in New England brewing for her entire career, working for storied and well-established brands like Cambridge Brewing Company, where she actually brewed at Mystic, Smutty Nose, and the now-shuttered Watch City. There's an allure to working for well-established brands where culture is already in place. But there's a challenge that comes with working on a brand new system and being tasked with moving a brewery forward while writing a new chapter of its history. She spoke to me via phone from Rhode Island about her career and the last few weeks of getting a system dialed in and beer ready for the people. And I started off by asking her to back up some claims she's made on social media over the last few weeks. Here's our conversation. You've made a pretty you you, you, i think you've thrown down the gauntlet of declaring this the summer of cream ale (laughs) it seems to be kind of a providence or rhode island thing you know moniker an amazing brewery across the river from us has done an amazing cream ale jenny cream is all over the bars right now um and then rejects beer a cool brewery over in middletown rhode island does a good cream ale too. Um, and it, it, you know, people have just been stoked on the cream ales that they're making. And that, that enthusiasm has carried over to me. I love drinking them, which is something I didn't know about myself until this spring. Um, but you know, they go down easy. They're super fun to drink. They're super fun to talk to other brewers about. Uh, yeah. Wait, wait, you got to qualify that. They're super fun to talk to other brewers about what, what, what is a, what is a brewer to brewer? Let us let us into the let us into this uh, 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 to this walk-in cooler with you guys. And what what is a brewer to brewer conversation about cream ale? What does that sound like? It's a lot like brewer to brewer geeking out about lagers, but not as technical. You know, cream ales can be kind of silly. There isn't such a template for them to be perfect. 
they just have to be, you know, kind of clean and bright and beer flavored beer. And that's what brewers want to drink. And, you know, so whenever brewers visit each other's breweries, we always cheers with a cream ale now just because, you know, there's no geeking out over hot by summer summerization or lagering temps or anything like that. It's like our stress-free, easy drinking, fun to drink beer. Have the consumers come around to it? I mean, I guess you're saying like you're seeing it on tap. Uh, you're up in the Providence area, but like, is is there are, are people I, falling through, or is this is this just again brewers trying to convince us drinkers, you know, that it's time for us to start drinking X? You know, I can't speak for sure because mine hasn't hit the taps yet, so I can't track how well it's selling. But it's again at Moniker across the river. It's their best selling beer. Um, it seems like, you know, that became their house beer and everybody who goes there has to get a cream out before they try anything else. So just based on that, I'd say yes, but that's not a huge swath of market to take from. So you have a bright, shiny new brew house uh, uh, with Narragansett branding all over it, I imagine. And yep. uh, you've brewed a cream ale on it? We have brewed cream ale on it. We actually, we renamed it uh, Exit 1C instead of cream ale because we couldn't get it to clear up quite as brightly as we wanted so we're going to retry that one <laughs> excellent is delicious but it's not perfect so we're not calling it the gansett cream ale um so all right let's let's back up a little bit um gansett is a, a, a an old brewery that was gone for a while it came back um, and it had been uh, brewing at other places for for quite a long time and now uh, you guys have built yourself a pub and you have this bright, shiny new brew house, um, and this is this is Gansett's first stainless in in in, in, in quite some time. Uh, that you know that's theirs. Um, what'd you get? What's your system? We got a twenty-barrel craft kettle system from New Orleans, Louisiana. And for what's your cellar like? Our cellar. So we have eight thirty-barrel. Uh, conical fermenters, three 20 barrel conicals, a 40 barrel lagering tank, a 20 barrel lagering tank, and then a couple of bright tanks. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So we have plenty of space to be able to geek out. So, and a lot of the, the, the recipes that are going to be coming from the pub, um, are not necessarily the ones that like we get in cans or draft or, or things like that. Is what, what's distro going to be like? Is it just come to the pub and drink or are you going to be no, so I know, especially with our flagship IPA, which is called Music Express, we've done all of Rhode Island and Southern Mass. I think we're doing all of Mass starting this week in Connecticut, and we're going to see how that goes. I don't really know what the plans are beyond that. Um, yeah, some uh, some of the beers are pub only. A lot of the beers we're ending up canning. We have a mobile canning line in a couple times a week generally okay. um so we're we're doing really short runs of pretty much all the beers we do over there that's exciting yeah i want to talk a little bit more about recipe development as we get further along into this but so you have this 20 barrel system it's brand new uh nobody's ever used it before uh you're you know, the, the the first head brewer on this everywhere else that you've been in your career there have been systems that are, you know, old, uh, established, uh, have their own, uh, 
idiosyncrasies and uh, you have to know exactly when to hit a lever at a certain time. Yeah, they're, 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 they're characters in and of themselves. And I'm talking about the, you know, the breweries that you worked with at um, uh, Watch City and up at Smutty Nose and um, uh, I guess out at Mystic, right? Um, out of, yeah, we had a Sean Hill's old 20 barrel metal craft system at Mystic. So like size, you know, isn't, isn't different for you, but like, what was it like learning on some of those systems that had been around well before you ever walked in as an employee? It was, you know, the steps were very well defined. Like at this moment you open this valve two clicks and then you set the pump to this and it was very exact. You know, there was not a lot of playing around except for like extreme circumstances when you wanted to tweak something like everything had already been figured out to a T for years and years and years. So there was really no guesswork in that. So, you know, I, I really didn't get a good understanding of, of the fine tuning that goes into learning a brand new system and dialing things in exactly the way you want them. And, you know, specifically why you want them that way. You know, you want the water flowing at this rate when you mash in because it hydrates well and you want the grain flowing at this rate through the auger because, you know, that way your grain and your water end at the same time. Um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't take, because our system is semi-automated at Narragansett, it didn't take too, too long to sort of figure out. And we had craft kettle folks there to help us be like, okay, this, this doesn't look right. Try this, you know, this, this is what we usually do. Maybe try this, you know, maybe you want to set the, the auger to 35% instead of 50. Um, but it definitely was like, especially that first week, it definitely was a steep learning curve and there was literally no room for error. You know, our first batch that we brewed on that system was Bohemian pills. And I did that a, because it's a very simple recipe and B because if we fuck it up, we can just sewer it, which thanks, thankfully we didn't end up having to do, but you know, I wanted to leave room for that chance. But then the second batches we did were our flagship IPA and then our first double IPA. And those were scheduled to go into cans two weeks later. So it was like, do not mess these up. And how did they turn out? They turned out good. I'm not going to say great. (laughs) You know, there was definitely some fussing with temperatures and things like that, that we were still dialing in. They came in both a little bit under ABV for what we wanted. um, But they turned out good. And and we got them into cans. So having worked on, I guess it's fair to call them legacy systems versus brand new out of the box. Although I, I know it's not a box, but like, I do you have a preference now? Do you think? Um, I don't think so. You know, they both have their pluses and minuses. Like sometimes when I can't get the automation to hit the temp. I want because it gets moody some days. The robots sometimes fight me on that. I wish I had a two vessel direct fire, totally manual system. Um, other days I'm like, wow, the future's great. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about my knockout temp. I can pitch yeast while I'm knocking out because I know the temp's not going to spike on me. Um, are, are, yeah. you, are, are, are you seeing some of those idiosyncratic 
I don't know, bits uh, start to appear in your system? I mean, you've had a couple of months now uh, or a couple of weeks uh, working on it, uh, getting stuff ready. Like, you know, as you were saying before, you know, it's two clicks this way with this valve and, you know, pull this and all that. Um, are, are you starting to see things develop in your system yeah. that as, as new folks come on to the, to the brewery that you're going to have to start passing down? Yeah, our system definitely, definitely gets a little moody sometimes and has a mind of her own occasionally. So it's like, if I'm mashing in or sparging it, if somebody else uses any of the hot water to do a CIP process anywhere else in the brewery, I'm going to have to watch my temperatures really carefully because the pump doesn't (laughs) tend to like that. Things like that. That's like flushing the toilet when somebody's taking a shower. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 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 Like our first time we tried to double batch in one day, we were trying to knock out and mash in at the same time, which we realized we cannot do Okay. because <laughs> the water usage and just dialing in all those temperatures is a little much for our system. So we've just learned how to time things better and things like that. And that's normal, so when, right? I mean, that's just yeah. like a normal part of brewing. Yeah. And this is the first time I've ever done multiple batches in one day. So even just doing that on any system takes some getting used to. When you first got into brewing, when you first decided that you wanted to make brewing a career, uh, you walked into Watch City, uh, which was a, a small little brew pub that I guess had been around for a couple of years before uh, you started, right? And yep. uh, you just you just asked for a job? Yeah. So I had met Aaron, the brewmaster there through Beer Fest and through mutual friends and things like that. Uh, actually, a good friend of mine had been his assistant previously. Um, so I had poured with him at beer fest and things like that and gotten to know him and really started to enjoy the social aspects of being a brewer. Um, and meanwhile, I had, I had homebrewed a little bit and things like that and really decided that this is something I loved. Um, so yeah, one day I just walked in and was like, Hey, can I help? And he was like, here's a mop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you th- I <sighs> So years and years and years ago, I read a book called Massachusetts Breweries uh, uh, with, uh, with my wife, actually. She did the travel part of it. I did the beer part of it. Uh, and I remember going into Watch City uh, well before I wrote this book. Uh, but then um, when I was doing the research for the book and I really started to pay attention to that Frankenstein that was in the basement, um, <laughs> that, 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 that brew system for folks and the brewery is now since closed. But for, for folks who never had the, I don't know. I, I was going to say honor, but opportunity is probably just the, the safest word um, to witness it in person. What were you all brewing on back then? Uh, we were brewing on a 14 barrel direct fire uh, Peter Austin pubs, or Peter Austin system. And it was like, was that wood paneled? Yep. Yep. So that system actually is now in a brewery called Stone Cow that's out in Western Mass. They bought it at auction. Oh, no um, shit. I know those guys. Yeah, okay. It's still chugging today. <laughs> I think they've encased it now in stone instead of wood. <laughs> but... So it was a sight to behold, at least. It was like in sort of like a pit in the brewery. and the, the, yeah, yeah. So when we mashed out, we would have to shovel it out of the top of the mash tun instead of out of the manway on the side. <laughs> oh. So as you were thinking about the design of 
Gansett and this new pub, um, were you thinking about all of the other systems that you had been on and things that you never wanted to do again or wouldn't wish on anybody else going forward? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Most of it, though, was was really just the basics. Like, it's not direct fire, so when the flame goes out, it's not going to fill the room with gas and kill everyone or anything like that. You know, I really like didn't know my life could be this good until I got the system. Um, we also, we worked with a guy uh, called John Carpenter who used to be with Dogfish and uh, Golden Road, I believe. Sure. Um, yeah. And he helped us commission our entire brewery. So he was brought on board uh, for this project even before I was. Uh, so he knows what he's doing. He's been around to, oh, yeah. to a few yeah, places so as well. He went down to craft kettle and really like got all the bells and whistles they could put on this thing, put on, that it's stuff that I wouldn't even think about. Like there, we have a touch screen up on the brew deck where I can control all the pneumatic valves, but we also have little uh, switches below. So if I'm doing anything below deck and I need to close or open a valve, I can just hit a switch that's right next to me, which is something that I, I would never even think of, but it really makes my life so much easier. Uh, there are some brewers listening to this right now who are turning green, uh, hearing about all these various bells and whistles so um, <laughs> and that actually john didn't request those craft kettle was like you know what we're gonna try something cool and new <laughs> really and they yeah they gave this to us and now it's part of their like standard build i think okay i don't know if they do it for everyone um but it's yeah i don't know yeah, at, at some point that... i'm gonna have to start charging them for advertising for all these nice things that you're saying but it's, like i'm well, sorry yeah. when they came out to teach us this brew system there's this guy <laughs> that works there jeremy Tin, who's just fantastic and he's he's an incredible brewer but he's also like a therapist he spends the most stressful week of people's lives with them and, and teaches them how to brew um and i don't think i don't think we'd be making good beer if we had not had that training from him <laughs> has this been I, I i i often think about like you know in steps of careers, you know, you want to keep being challenged and it keeps things interesting and you want to, you know, have really hard days. Um, or at least I do, um, you know, because it makes the, the easier days just a little bit easier and, you know, a little bit more rewarding, um, in your career now, has this been the most challenging? Has this been the hardest thing that you've, you've had to do commissioning I and starting this so. new brewery? Other yeah. than just, like hanging on and knowing that something better is coming. Absolutely. This is especially like knowing that this was looming during the whole pandemic, like imposter syndrome is a thing. And just watching this, this brew date come over the horizon being like, Oh my God, I haven't even brewed anything in a year. Like is, is my beer going to be good? I've never touched the system before. Like, ah, absolutely. Um, but I got to say, it's, it's also been one of the most amazing things I've done. And we also have a great production team at Narragansett that I wouldn't have been able to do it without. As All right. So Aaron at Watch City handed you a mop and you got to yep. work. And there's yep. a lot of uh, uh, brewers and, and, and beer uh, industry folks uh, who started in a similar way. Um, and then... For, for a lot of your career, you spent time in the cellar, um, not necessarily yeah. on the brew deck. That's right. I didn't really hit the deck. You know, I, I actually was all hands on deck, you know, and sure. I, I got some recipes in there. Um, but then once I went to Spunny Nose, I was cellar 
purely. Like I was running the centrifuge and cleaning tanks. So it wasn't until I got to Cambridge Brewing Company that I got back onto the deck and really, you know, kind of got my hands dirty up there. There's something about cellar work, though, where it it doesn't get, I mean, even on shows like this, uh, it doesn't get the, I, I don't want to say respect because I certainly respect what it is, but it doesn't get the attention that it deserves. Um, yeah. Because it is, it's not just like, oh, hey, we're mm-hmm. having a lot of fun and we just, you know, hit our switches uh, and now, hey, the mobile canner's here and you have beer. I mean, it, cellar work is, is so critically important and so often overlooked, I think, by the general public. Um, for for those who might not be all that familiar, or for you know all of the fellow uh, uh, cellar dwellers that that are that are that are listening in right now, um, t- talk about the importance of that work. It's I mean, hot side is such a very 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 small part of the life of a beer. You know, hot side is about six hours, and that spends if it's an ale two weeks in the cellar where you have to depending on the yeast strain, monitor temperature every day. You know, sanitation is of utmost, utmost important in the beer, the whole beer process. And that all takes place in the cellar. You know, every single element of cellar work is so intensely critical to the success and the quality of a beer. Um, You know, keeping oxygen out of your process, doing a transfer clean and smooth and not beating your beer up and letting any O2 in. Um, Cellar work is 80% of why a good beer turns out good i'd say hot side and recipe development is well it's certainly important um you can screw up and backpedal from that cellar work you know there's no room for error you've got to be on your shit and it's long and grueling you know you gotta you gotta can beer then clean tanks then transfer beer and you have to be on it every second of every day you know dragging hoses around making sure Everything is sanitized always. For those years that you were in the cellar, though, was it always the goal to get back up onto the brew deck or to get onto the brew deck? Like, it's a lot of places. I have to say, other than Smutty Nose, which was a much bigger operation, um, so they had like a dedicated hot side team, dedicated centerfuge person, which is what I sort of became there um and then dedicated cellar crew packaging crew the other places i worked uh watch city and cbc were so small that everybody kind of wore every single hat and so that was sort of the brewing world that i was used to and sort of what i took to be as the norm um once you know at cbc things became a little more skewed where there was you know the brewmaster and then the head brewer and then the cellar crew i had aspired to, to wear that head brewer hat once I sort of got around that environment and realized, you know, there was a step above the all hands on deck people. It was like, okay, now I have something else to shoot for. I'll have more with Lee Lord of Narragansett in just a moment. But first, if you're thinking about beer competitions and the newly announced New Zealand Pale Ale and New Zealand IPA categories, visit NZ Hops online at nzhops.co.nz or find them on social media. There you'll learn about varieties bursting with white wine, stone fruit, tropical fruit aromas, and more. Hops from New Zealand are unlike any other found on the globe. Discover them today. And now, back to Rhode Island and Lou Lord. She's the head brewer of Narragansett's new brewery and pub. There's been a lot of talk uh, in the last couple of weeks of um, opportunities that uh, 
have presented themselves to women uh, for career advancement um, or doors that have been shut, um, you know, as as well. And have you identified with any with, with some of those posts that have gone up? I have. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, I've found and, and my positions have been a little bit unique, like at Mystic working for CBC, I was the only one who did my job and I didn't really cross over with the pub yeah. that, that much. Um, but I did see folks entering the company and getting promoted, uh, faster than I, well, I was just kind of stuck over in my own little bubble, not really having any upward mobility at all. Um, and that, that was tough. Um, Yeah. You mentioned early on um, uh, some of the toughest days are, are the ones where you're just hanging on, but knowing that something better was coming. Yeah. Like some days, especially when something goes wrong or you have like a hop geyser after or during dry hopping and you're like, man, this one sucked. Like the cellar was hot today and it was rough. And I don't know, man, I don't know if this is for me anymore. Like, there were definitely days like that where you just had to hang on, you know, and hope <laughs> that it got better. Cause those days, you know, they can string together and then it's tough. It's like, well, maybe I want to work front of house now. I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. Um, you know, so I found, I found it really helpful to set little milestones for myself. Like, all right, Oktoberfest is coming. And if I make it till then, like, good. Let's just try and make it to then, like, and then we'll pick the next, the next milestone to make it to. But I, I mean, mental health wise, which is something that we talk about on the show quite a bit, though. I mean, that's got to have its own pressures. Like, that has to have its own sort of effect on on just everyday life of just. I mean, and, and maybe they're positive effects of like, okay, if I can make it to Oktoberfest, if I can make it to Thanksgiving, if I can make it to Christmas, if I can make it to, you know, what what whatever it is, like maybe that. Is that a happy thing or is that a? It not always. Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> and this like this seems kind of sad to say, but like sometimes just getting that next thing to to make it to is like, oh yeah, all right. There's another one. I didn't, I didn't have one before that, but I'm taking a vacation in August, and if I can just make it till then, like, great. I think I can do that. Um, I don't know what that says mental health wise like it's definitely like especially when you're working by yourself it's definitely tough and you get in your head and there's kind of nothing to break that up um because a lot of the recipes i i when you're saying working by yourself so when you were at it mystic you were uh doing the production recipes for cambridge brewing company um, that's right which you're sort of like set in a book somewhere and you know like it's what we all know and drink and, and, and enjoy. And, you know, they tasted great. So nice job. Um, but there's not a ton of creativity as well, I imagine. Right. So as a, as a brewer, and, and, and I'm just th- sort of thinking about like, you know, other brewers that I've talked with over the years of like, you know, who, who are in similar positions, where were you channeling that creativity into like work-wise? <laughs> um, <laughs> or were you not? Yeah. Or were you just hoping for Oktoberfest? Yeah. Okay, cleaning. Yeah, I was just praying for Oktoberfest and like <laughs> just counting down the days. Actually, that's 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 fest. your next beer name, by the way, is praying for Oktoberfest. And yeah, we'll write that on the bottom of the cans. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it's got to come out in like March. 
you know, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a really social being. So working in that environment was real tough for me. So I really channeled all of that energy into beer fest. Like anytime there was an in-store tasting, anytime there was a fest, I was, I wanted to be right there every single session, just, you know, kind of soaking up everybody else's positive energy. So now you're at Gansett and you get to write your recipes and you get to, 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 to put them out there. Um, as you think about your career and the places that you've worked, I mean, th these are historic breweries. These are important breweries that you've worked at that have a ton of tradition behind them. And I imagine at some point you could have gone to you know any number of startups um, and done the head brewer job there, and you know made hazies or you know lactose everythings, and um, you know all, I all... do make hazies right now. No, not, no, no that's fine. I'm not, not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> knocking them. I'm just saying, but like, but you could have gone to a place that had you know abstract art on a on a, on an aluminum can and you know. Edison bulbs and 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 things like that, um, you know, <laughs> that hasn't had a chance to write its history yet. Um, is there an appeal for you as a brewer to work at legacy places that have been around for you know three decades or more? Well, yeah, they're less likely to go under for one. <laughs> um, I, 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 I would point you to to Smutty Nose for a second, but like, sure. Yeah, or or watch City. I, I showed up I was, to work I was say, yeah. the doors were locked. <laughs> like, so I yeah, I like, didn't get my hiking boots back. Um, so yeah, that's definitely. Wait, you like, lost hiking boots inside of Watch City? I well, I showed up to work and it was locked. Like they. The bank just locked the doors and there was beer in the open fermenters and everything like that. Um, and so I didn't get to go back for a few months for the bank auction and it smelled like death. It smelled so bad. So I went in and I got my meat smoker and my hiking boots and a bunch of stuff I had there and they tried to call the cops on me for stealing from the auction. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I yeah. mean, it would have wound up at Stone Cow, and they, you know, they probably would have yeah. been cool to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, but but there's a hole in your argument of, like, it's not going to close behind you. Like, you know, like, Smutty Nose had a, a pretty rough time when you were there, uh, Watch City. Yeah. Um, I'm not calling you the angel of death, but... Uh, I, you know, and Mystic went under, too. So <laughs> not every brewery I've worked for, but every brewery I've worked in has hit some trouble. <laughs> I, I have called myself the angel of death. <laughs> But the difference of, regardless of whether or not they've closed or, you know, are in tough shape, um, places that have an established history before you walk in the door, is there a reverence for that and a desire to become a part of that history and to, to help shape that f history forward? Like, how do you approach working for legacy breweries, long-term breweries, um, as opposed to, you know, and I guess you don't have a ton of experience with like startups, but, um, it's, I don't know. I think it fits with just the way my brain works with the whole brewing process as a whole, because, you know, for example, at Gansett, I really love to do like some of the old stuff. Like we did the Bohemian pills, we did the Porter, um, and, I tried to stay as true to those old recipes as I could 
but made them better. Um, you know. Well so when you added. say old recipes, you mean like the ones that have been in the, like the Gansett ones, like going back you know, to the eighteen eighteen hundreds. No, no, no. Just the ones going back maybe a decade. The ones that oh. they were canning over at the guild. Yeah, oh. yeah. I haven't even gotten a peek at the old old recipes. Are you going to be able to? Do you think? I don't know if somebody has them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But is there? I I I I I don't know if I'm even asking this question the right way. But is it places that are set in certain ways, known for certain things? Is it tough to be creative, or have you found, at least where you are now, that there's a willingness? To be creative and to be thinking about like a willingness. Like we have right now, we have two New England IPAs on, uh, two New England dippas and an IPA on, and then two sours. Okay. And the public is slowly warming up to them. Like Bow Pills is far and above our bestseller. Um, but I think that this helps introduce a new audience to Narragansett that otherwise kind of wouldn't be there. And word is still sort of trickling out. For that, my boss is definitely open to us brewing. You know, if we make a strong case, like we want to brew a lactose cookie crumble sour, I think Mark would be like, okay. like That's Mark Hellendrum, the president of the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but our, our clientele is That's... sort of steered. Like we're getting the, the new school drinkers, but we're also getting like the good old... Rhode Island Gansett drinkers whose fathers and grandfathers and whatever worked at the old brewery and they uh I don't think they're there yet (laughs) but I mean it's not like the brewery hasn't messed around with stuff I mean you guys put out Italian ice flavored beers and there's a hard tea under the name Mm -hmm. of of Gansett I mean it's you're 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 doing stuff that that has mass appeal yeah um but is there is there a risk because lager is lager and so ingrained in the consciousness that you know if you do put out even just a solid West Coast IPA that that could be a tough sell to to, to consumers because they think of you as a lager brewery and 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 I say that like sort of thinking about like Sam Adams right which you know has put out some some pretty good IPAs over the years um, also some pretty not great IPAs in my opinion but like you know people saw them as just the lager brewery and it was a tough sell for them. It's, I think, you know, I think we walk a fine edge where, you know, the tried and true lager fans do not want an IPA and the tried and true IPA fans do not want a Gansett. (laughs) So, you know, we're kind of finding this middle ground of like, Hey, just come drink our beer, have fun. Like, you know, um, I think we're still hitting our stride with that. You have all this seller space. You have a lot of, um, uh, you know, you have a whole career now in in, in front of you at, 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 at Gansett. What, um, what do you want to put in those tanks that isn't there yet? Um, what's the, what's the dream beer to, to go into one of those? Oh, God. So last Friday, I brewed a classic English bitter. Um, Had I not brewed that last Friday, I would say that. (laughs) Um, I would say either a mild or a barley wine. 
Um, that's just, those are two of my favorite, favorite styles and I love brewing them. <laughs> um, yeah, one of those. Can, can, can we talk about miles for a second of, yeah. I mean, we started off on cream ales and the, the brewer conversations on cream ales, which I, I, I still, I'm not fully convinced that that's happening, but, um, uh, I feel like you might've just made that up. Um, I did. I totally made that up. <laughs> <laughs> It's like cream ale is trying to make fetch happen. Um, it's just you know, uh, uh, and I love Jenny Cream. I, I I've said this on other shows in the past. I buy uh, or pre-pandemic, I would buy a thirty pack of Jenny Cream at the top of Fourth of July weekend, and I would have a cooler of it in the car. Uh, and when, as we would go to barbecues and stuff like that, like that's what I would drink. And then I would have another cooler filled with you know uh, other beer that had come into the house of you know IPAs and lactose and all sorts of stuff and I'd give that to all of my friends and I would just drink Jenny cream for all of the 4th of July weekend which I'm fully planning on doing again this year but that's how to be with Carlsberg yeah uh but 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 English Milds I think that, like, that's got to be like the hardest road at this point uh yeah. to try to <laughs> yeah. to try to sell to people and even trying to sell to brewers like I think like brewers like might like talking about it or might be intrigued by it, but I know like three brewers who do it out of like 8,000 of you. Yeah. It's Chris Loring at Notch has um, a good saying. They always called May mild month and they brew a mild until he realized that mild month uh, turned into mild fucking three months. Well, they tried to <laughs> kick their mild. So they don't do Cause it. Cause you anymore. were the only one there drinking it. Yeah, probably. That and uh, Zach Anzac, their um, their sales guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, if I lived closer, I would drink it. All right, so now we have three going, and you know, there, there's there seems to be a growing uh, consensus. But like, you have an audience now listening, presumably. Um, why should the beer drinkers listening to this show right now be going out and asking for by style an English mild of of, of their local breweries? Uh, because you can't get more classic, and there's not a more beautiful love note to malt out there. Um, it's especially especially on cask. Uh, the mild is one of the most beautiful things. It's so smooth. It's nice and low EBV, hopefully, unless you do a historic one. Um, and... I don't know. For me, I'm a huge Anglophile. Like I love watching my British murders and listening to my Britpop and whatever. So miles just fit in with my overall taste preference with everything in life. Um, you know, I, I reenact a British soldier's life for the Revolutionary War. <laughs> so, so bringing Castle Mile to that kind of shit is Can, one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> I, I didn't. You, do you have a specific person that you that you play in the reenactments? I don't. Okay. I don't. My my boyfriend is, <clears throat> excuse me, my boyfriend uh, is one of the commanders of His Majesty's uh, 40th Regiment of Foot, um, which is a British unit that that fought in the Revolutionary War. So I just kind of tag along with them. Okay, so you're not playing like a, you're not reenacting a specific, ha have no. you have you written a backstory? <laughs> not much of one. You know, I know kind of where I've come from um, and where I was stationed in the States, but that's about it. Okay. See, I was I was like totally ready to just geek out on you know like 
revolutionary war fiction and then you just kind of took the wind out of my sails. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I mean, we no, still can. No, that's totally fine. No, it. it's totally fine. I'll have <laughs> you back on I'll I'll have you back on our very special episode later on when we can talk about that. Um Okay. But uh Love Letter to Malt. Um uh Love Affair with Malt. Uh that directly plays into barley wine as well. Yep. Yeah, I'm a I'm a malt lover. Um and barley wine, like barley wine, and I go way back. Barley wine was what got me <laughs> into beer. <laughs> so I can't, like, if you ask me what I love about barley wine, it's, it's it's the beer, but it's also like the memories and the the lightning bolts that it set off in my brain um, that got me interested. Just you know, that was the first thing that I had tried, other than like a Magic Hat Number Nine or Stella. Yeah. And I was like, wait, I didn't know beer could be like this. There was uh, what was the brewery up in Vermont that used to make them? Uh, is it Rock Art or Lost Art? Rock Art, yeah, with yeah. the Vermonter, yeah. Yeah, I mean that was one of the very first ones that I remember drinking. You know, twenty five years ago. Yeah, mine was actually so I got dragged on a double date to Cambridge Brewing Company, and it happened to be their barley wine fest. And I really wanted to impress my date, who was like, "Oh, you're not going to like this. You don't drink beer. You you drink apple teenies." Just get a Chardonnay. We'll be quick. And I was like, no, you know what? You're really cute. I'm going to try the 2007 one. And this was in 2007. Uh, and that happened to be Blunderbuss. And, you know, kind of the rest is history. <laughs> uh, the first time I brewed Blunderbuss with Will Myers, I started crying. And he was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> but but there's a history and there's a story that can be told. And now being at Gansett and being a part of that story for the reenactors a hundred years from now, 300 years from now, uh, you know, that are, that are, you know, telling the story of craft beer in America in the, in the early part of this century, uh, nerds that they are. Um, Now I'm just writing fiction, but like, (laughs) what do you want this story to be um, for, for, for Gansett and this new pub and, and, you know, your role there and the beers that you're making? I want, you know, I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm kind of a weird brewer. You know, I learned from weird brewers and I love weird brewers and I'm a little bit of a weird brewer. Like there's going to be a Gansett Gruet at some point. And I would like to see, you know, Gansett. That's what puts it out of business. Yeah. No, don't. Oh my God. (laughs) I've had that same thought. Oh shit. (laughs) I can hear the stock price plunging right now. Yeah. Just on the mere thought of it. All right. No, there's going to be a Gansett Gruick. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, maybe not. But I, I would like this little pub that we have in Providence to sort of be a hub of innovation and, you know, get my weird little fingers out there a little bit. <laughs> you know, thus far we've done pretty straight IPAs, porters, lagers. We have a Zwickle beer in the tank right now that's freaking awesome. But, you know, I... I want to be able to play and I want that to carry through to the customer and for them to be like, okay, there's, there's a little more to give it than, you know, the lager and the shandy. And this is fun. Internally culture wise, uh, cause this has also been a big part of the conversation that's been happening these days. Um, as you're now, you know, in a head brewer position, um, you know, where you have a team, uh, you know, that, that, that you're working with and is working for you. Um, ha- has the conversation, have you been thinking about, I guess, one, your experiences in your career 
um, and what you learned was good and what you wanted to learn how to do better. Um, ha- have you been thinking about brewery culture and ways that it can be, I don't know, better in, 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 in light of these conversations that are now coming into focus, but I know have been happening uh, among women in beer for, 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 for quite some time. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, and I, I have a great team with me right now. Um, we have our production manager, Tony Barber, um, and then a seller guy. Um, and we're, we're definitely going to be bringing a little more diversity <laughs> to our team coming very soon. Um, one of the other things I've been thinking about is just the quality of life of a brewer. It gets long and it gets super hard. And that's something that, you know, you hear the old, old boy brewers be like, I was canning for 30 hours yesterday. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. Like you can draw a line and have the life that you want and be a brewer. Like that's something I think is so important um, <clears throat> is to be able, you know, to set boundaries and not work yourself to death because it definitely happens in this industry. Burnout is so real. Um, yeah. So just working smarter and not harder and cutting it when you need to cut it and taking care of yourself um, is one of the most important things to me at this job. Aside from cream ale, um, if, if cream ale is going to be the, the, the beer of the summer, um, I, I, I know pumpkin beers are going to start showing up pretty soon on, on, on the shelves. Uh, they don't count. Um, what's the beer of autumn? What should we be excited about next season? Oh, man, I'm so psyched. So we're actually going to be brewing it uh, coming up in a few weeks. We're going to start our fest beer that's going to lager for a good long time. I'm psyched about that. So we have those two big lagering tanks that I've played around a little bit with, but I'm definitely hitting my stride with. I've never worked with lager tanks before, so this is so fun for me. That's awesome. Yeah, we're yeah. Uh, Lisa Allen is on Steal This Beer next week, uh, and we were just talking with her from, from Heater Allen, and uh, uh, she was getting ready to put her fest beer in the tank for uh, a bunch of good long weeks. So it's... Um, you know, hope is on the way to yeah to everybody who 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 is waiting for it. Yeah, yeah. I literally like I don't take my dirndl off from mid September to early October. <laughs> I drink so much fest beer that I like can't drink it till the next year because I'm so sick of it. <laughs> but I'm definitely ready now. Well, hopefully, uh, I'll be able to get up and uh, and and have a proper leader with you in person uh, it's been far too long but thanks for thanks for you know taking the phone call and being on the show this week i really i appreciate it i'm, I'm excited about all all that you guys are doing but uh it's also you know good to hear uh you know a brewer excited about what's happening these days yeah so, thank yeah. you so much that's lee lord of narragansett what do you think is this going to be the summer of cream ale send me a note let me know and share your thoughts on who else you think might want to be on the show I'm at John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at BeerEdge.com, or you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Beer Edge is all over social media at The Beer Edge, and don't forget the This Week in Rauk Beer Facebook page and our website, BeerEdge.com. There, you can learn about helping out the show and the site through advertising, or you can just reach out to Liz Melby. She's at Liz at BeerEdge.com. And speaking of that... NZ Hops is a proud sponsor of Drink Beer, Think Beer. 
Harvest season has officially ended in New Zealand, and there are exciting hops to choose from, including Nelson Savin, Matuika, Ruwaka, and the newest hop in the lineup, Nectaron. The white wine, stone fruit, and tropical fruit notes layered with pine, citrus, and herbal notes offer a range of flavors unlike any other growing region in the world. Learn more about what they can do for your beers by visiting nzhops.co.nz or finding NZ Hops on social media. Remember to check out Steal This Beer every Monday and the BYO Nano Podcast on the 15th of every month. As always, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and please defend Pilsner. I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>